You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I have a super exciting one, and I'm very, very honored to have this guy on my, uh, my podcast. I've known him literally my entire life, <laughs> and uh, just been very, very special for me. I've been having wanting to have this one of my goals to get him on my podcast. So welcome, serial entrepreneur, multi-business owner, world-renowned speaker, Randy Haugen, my father. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks. It means a lot to have you on here. I uh, a, a lot of people ask me where I get all my beliefs from and the culture and all this stuff, and really, it's just been been from you. So, thank you for everything you've ever done for me, and you've given me a lot of opportunity, and just you're the best dad I could ever imagine. Well, thank you. You've taken everything you can. You've been a sponge. You've learned everything that you can learn, and you've been hungry. That's a key. Yeah, I, I've definitely, definitely been hungry. So um, I, I want to get right into it. I mean, you, you've you had how many different businesses do you think you've owned? Oh, 20 something. And some of them have been huge. Um, some of them have been staples in our community as far as, you know, some of the restaurants and, you know, Costa Vita and Johnny Carino's and stuff like that. I mean, um, you've, you've been a huge part, especially in like our, in our city of Ogden, Utah. You've built a lot of those buildings in South Ogden. And I mean, you're a very big part of, of all of that. So, you know, I, I want to get, uh, into it when, you know, you, you've, you started an entrepreneur or you kind of owning your own business really young, very young. I think I was 20, 19 or 20. The first business I actually owned where I had a building and inventory and stuff like that. And what business was that? National speed equipment in Ogden, Utah. In growing up the I mean, grandpa was great, but gra- I mean, you grew up in, Roy and not not, not against that, but like grandpa was just kind of a, a a white collar worker. He worked on base was, we found out when he passed away that he's very decorated military service member. So appreciate his service and everybody else out there. But, um, was he the one, is he ever motivating you to become an entrepreneur or showing you how to do that? Um, you know, my dad, he came from a background where he was the most successful kid of any of the family. Even though he ended up, you know, he worked at Hill Air Force Base for much of his life, you know. And my dad and mom always encouraged me to do anything I wanted to do. They always encouraged me that I could do anything in the world that I wanted to do. And I didn't know that everybody didn't have that, you know, or that. So it had a lot to do with them and how they raised me and just how they treated me and, and so on. Although that they were not ever in business for themselves. And I wish they would have been, but you know, it is what it is. Right. And, that, and that's interesting though, because you know, you, you, I guess you base a lot of your success and a lot of your, the principles that you learned at an early age of, you know, due to, you know, your parents, my grandma and grandpa, but you have other siblings. So like, what do you think was different about you that, that why you kind of broke through the proverbial mold and became who you were versus other people not talking about, about my aunt and uncle, but um, you know, I, I, cause I get asked this a lot and there are other people that are, you know, so I'm interested in, you know, your perspective of why you were able to punch through that. Uh, you know, I, 
That's a good question because, you know, I grew up in Roy, not that Roy's a bad place, but it's a very low level thinking town. Let me put it that way. You know, the, there's not a lot of people that we grew up with that, you know, wanted talked about entrepreneurship and succeeding and everything else. But uh, the only thing I can boil it down to is very early on when I owned national speed equipment, we went around the world, you know, drag racing. So we right. had a pro stock car and a truck and, and all that. And we, that was in the NHRA, right? Yeah. Yeah. NHRA. And we sponsored about 20 cars out of the Ogden area from top fuel all the way down. Wow. But we were in, we'd be at races and uh, I see people that have a, a lot of money sitting there, spare engines, big trailers, you know, and all that stuff. So the question came up, what would I have to do? How could I get to the point where I could have an income and not have a job? So that just, I could never escape that. So I got hungry trying to figure out how to do that. And I think that was the difference between me and my brother and my sister is uh, I just, somehow I got to the point where I believed I could do anything in the world. I just had, I just have to outwork everybody. Right. You know, Which is definitely your personality. I mean, you work probably one of the hard, you're the hardest working person I've ever seen in my entire life, which you definitely taught that to me. And I feel like I'm a pretty hardworking guy, but I'm just trying to keep up with you. Um, you know, when you were through your entrepreneurial journey and, uh, you know, when you first started out, was it a lot harder than you thought? Or I know, I mean, I know a lot of these stories, but I want other people to, to hear them. I mean, you went through a lot of situations and I'm closing that store from, from a situation that, that's going on. Like you kind of tell me about that. Uh, national speed. Yeah. Yeah, I had a partner, and uh, I don't want to say anything bad about him. This isn't about him, but he owned a fire extinguisher company that he had inherited from his grandmother and grandpa. And he just wasn't, his personality, he wasn't ready for business. And he pretty much destroyed it. And I was so young, I didn't understand my strengths and, and his strengths. And so I ran the store. I was there every day for 365 straight days, including Christmas, and he, he got to the point, he'd just stop in, take money out of the till to pay fire extinguisher bills. Wow. And finally, I just, after about a year and a half of it, um, I just had enough. So it was all my inventory. It was all my money that was an inventory sitting in the building. And one day I just went down there. I said, I'm not doing this no more. Walked out the door, took the key, slid it back underneath the door. And that was it. Called really? Richard, said, I'm done. Really? Yeah. What did, what did mom think about that? She probably, I mean, most spouses might, what, what the heck are you oh, doing? Oh, this was prior to mom. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I met mom shortly thereafter. Okay. Or maybe so, right about at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere right in there. What, uh, what plans did you have? Did you have any plans after that? Like, like, okay, I'm going to, you know, close the door and move on to this. Or was it just like, Hey, I'll close it and figure it out later. Um, no, I just closed the door. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, wanted to take some time to think about it. I knew that I was capable of doing just about anything, but when you grow up and you don't know anybody that's ever made any money, that that's got a kind of impact on your life. Right. And if you don't have access to any money um, and you got to start from scratch and, you know, go down the road, you got to go a long ways before you scrape enough money together to do anything. And that was kind of where I was. Right. When you, so what happened after that? What'd you do after that? Um, I just, we didn't do anything. And I, mom, yeah, mom was around then because I remember we spent a couple of weeks together and I was just thinking, what am I going to do? And I had a guy who was building, we were building the 24th Street uh, 
steel bridge, the Vidoc in Ogden. Right. And a friend of mine that was younger than me was in charge of the entire project because he was so good. Wow. And he called me up and he said, I need you to come down here and work for me and uh, do it be a welder's fitter. You know, go put stuff together and tack it together and weld it. So I, I did that for a while. And during the process of doing that, I was just trying to think, what can I do for a living? You know, what, how can I make $100,000 a year and, and not have to have a job? Back in that, you know, that was a lot of money back then. Right. So when, uh, where did you go? Because I, I know I'm trying to think about, after the, tell me about Peterson, because really like Peterson, when you worked for the Marine Company, Motor Company, that's when yeah. you really started to, like I guess things maybe started to click and you know, like you used to, you know, put things together. And I know like a lot of your stories from, I guess me growing up and you know, you still, we still bring them up today. You still bring them up today about that whole situation and all the things you learned from that. So I guess, I guess, you know, you, you were building the bridge and then, you know, I don't know how, what happened after that. I know you've had a million different jobs from building bomb pallets to being a dishwasher and you know, you've had all these things. Now, how did you get in or, or why did you go to, go to work for a dealership? And, and it's kind of funny cause it's come full circle cause now we're in dealerships, but um, you know, why, you know, how, tell me, tell me about, I guess the beginning parts of Peterson. Cause that's an, that, that, I feel like that's laid a lot of the base of where you're at today. Yeah. That was where I started meeting people that were successful, but how that happened was, uh, we had a friend that was a partner on the race car with us. His name was Len and Len went to work for Peterson Marine, which was a boat store and it right. was small at the time. And they said, we're, we need a parts department. Uh, do you know anybody that could come in here and put a parts department together for us? And Len says, I know a guy that can do it. I just don't know if he will. And I was the guy. Huh. So they contacted me and I went down. They tell me, we want you to develop a parts department. You know, you got to stand, make it stand on its own. It's got to be profitable. It's almost going to be like your own business within the business. So you, you've got to make it work. Right. And so I did it. And I did that for a few years, and, and we really did well. We moved into a giant dealership in another city. You know, it was one of the, uh, probably the biggest dealership in the state, you know, physically. And then uh, they had a Peterson Motor Company. Uh, they had a car dealership, and right. it, it was pretty bad goofed up in the parts department. And so they called me up and says, we want you to come over here and fix this. <laughs> and, and so that's how that happened. And I went over there, and they hired me, and... And, and you, you exploded the parts department. Yeah, we did. We what, did. what were some of the numbers that you were doing and when, when you uh, got it and how you fixed it and when you left? When I, when we walked in there, that would have been 1980, January 1st, 1980. When I walked in there, they were doing total volume. Of course, this is, you know, old numbers, but their total volume was 37 grand a month. And they had way too many people. They had like 10 people to do that much wow. volume. That's a lot. And so I went in there. It was a, it was a disaster. And at the end of the, and I want, I thought they wanted me to fix it like in the first two weeks, you know? Right. And so it was such a disaster. At the end of the first day, I went back in. I said, there isn't anybody that can fix this. It's a disaster. You need somebody better than me. And, and they said, no, 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 no. Just take your time, you know, do it. And right. so anyway, I, I started down the road doing it and uh, learned how it worked. I'd never been in a car dealership before learned how it worked and and we took it from 37,000 a month to about 200 and between 250 and 300,000 dollars a month. We went from an $18,000 a month loss 
that's how much it was losing. Wow. To about a $35,000 a month profit. Wow. And I could have took it to a million. I easily could have took it to a million a month. Really? I mean, I figured out the combination on how to do it and what to do. And, and really the bottom line was, is we treated people. Uh, we had a wholesale business where we sent uh, body parts all over the state. Right. And we developed a system where we could deliver parts in Salt Lake, which was 35 miles away quicker than a dealership next door to the parts department could get them. Really? So we developed a system. Uh, we did that. Uh, we put guys on the phone that, that developed relationships with all the people in the body shops so they felt comfortable when they'd call. And these guys got to know them. And we just took over. And I could have took it to a million really easy. Wow. Yeah. So Amway. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess everybody's heard of Amway, but... Um, and everybody's heard of uh, you because of Amway. I mean, you're 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 arguably one of the largest distributors in Amway ever. I mean, you're you're one of the staples in Amway's heritage and history, and they're the largest company in the world as far as the network marketing. Why did you choose network marketing? It, it was a very different business back then. I mean, it, it looks nothing like it does today. No. Um, but why did you choose network marketing when you maybe could have had a career path in the dealership business? Well, I was, at the time that Amway showed up, and I went to a meeting, uh, Mom and I, but at the time that that happened, the owners of the dealership were talking to me about owning a dealership together. And so I could have done that. Right. So I, I, that we were headed that way. And they would have, you know, financially, and they would have had the ties to all the car manufacturers. I mean, it would have been a, you know, a, chance of a lifetime you know right and in the middle of it um we went to this amway meeting and they start talking about some of the guys that were the biggest in the world and what their lifestyle was like and how much money they made and all that and uh, so i kept saying so what's the hard part and and i went five times right I, I went to five meetings while i'm trying to figure out if these guys are full of it or you know if they're real or you know who what is it you know what, right. what do you got to do and so anyway, I finally came to the conclusion that if they can do, they had a book that had like 50 people's stories in it that was successful. Right. And so I looked at them all and they were from all different walks of life. And I said, what, what part of this is so hard? I can't learn it. Right. And so we got involved and the whole thing was to make a hundred grand a year and not have a job, you know, and be right. free and have some freedom and be able to do some things. And, um, a couple things that happened, we had the biggest guy in the world who had like 95% of all their volume under him. We ended up befriending him and we spent a ton of time with him, picking his brain, learning how to do it and all that. So that's right. how it started. And that was Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. That was Dexter. So why do you think you, so when did you get an Amway? 1982? Yeah. When was Amway founded? 59. So you were in it 23 years, wait, my math right? Yeah, 23 years after it started. Yeah. So it's funny because everybody was like, oh, yeah, if I was done on the ground floor, I'm like, well, it was, tw it was 23 years old. I always, say, I always say 20 years, but it was it's 20 years old when you got in. I mean, it, yeah, like, you know, there's, you know, 
obviously, like, I don't know. People are funny when they say, you know, oh yeah, like Randy was in since the beginning. I'm like, well, he would have been six years old <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah. if uh, you know, he was in from the beginning. Why do you think you were able to succeed in that like what started the explosion when all of a sudden you know was it just like a burning desire of a dream was it the right mentors the right situations i mean you you guys were on freaking fire i mean one of the fastest people you know you're just crushing it and you know for many years for 20 what 25 25 years um like what propelled that success um we were super hungry and and that's that's some, that's an ingredient that if you have that, if you're hungry, you can do anything in the world you want to do. But you got to be hungry. Um, we learned from the, uh, we studied everything that happened. Uh, every meeting that we were in on the way home, uh, we were like, is there anything I said I shouldn't have said? Did I offend anybody on how I talked with them? You know, it's a people business. And everything is people business. And everything is a culture that you develop all around you. And, and so we, as we were learning that, we did everything in our power to create the right culture so leaders could thrive in our system. Right. And they did. And what was so special about that culture? What, did, what, what were some things that you did to create that? Uh, we, we innovated and we made a lot of the tools and innovated a lot of techniques and strategies on, on how to develop it. And we also learned how to teach people how to do it. And it had never been done before. Nobody had ever comprehensively been able to teach people exactly how to do it and what to do. Right. And so we innovated a lot of it. Uh, we were just super hungry. We were always trying to figure out how to get it better, how to make, be smarter about it and how to develop leaders. Uh, because most people never spent any time developing leaders. All they did was just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Right. And, all your leaders are different. So you got to get people to do everything in their power they can do on their own. And then you fill in for whatever weaknesses they got and help them strengthen the weaknesses somewhat, but really help them utilize the strengths that they have. Right. And so we had, we had a pretty much a strategy laid out on how to make it happen. I mean, I could look you in the eye and say, if you'll do what I tell you to do and, and you're hungry and I'll teach you how to do all this, I guarantee you, you can get you can make a million dollars a year. And, and it was true uh, in that period of time because we had all, everything. We had everything we needed to make it happen and get it done and, and all that. And it was, it was an amazing journey, but a lot of it had to do with we learned from the very best guys in the world, but we just didn't repeat exactly what they did. Um, we thought about everything they did. We thought through it. You know, they've been doing this now for 10 years. Is it still what we should be doing? Right. We just really thought a lot. We spent a lot of time analyzing things, thinking things through, and and we did it. You know, we we never sit around. We worked our tails off. There was, this probably scare everybody, but for the first 17 years, we never wasted 10 minutes in a day. Oh, I know. Our first family vacation that didn't have to do with business was... My ninth grade year, we went on a cruise. You remember that? Yeah, that I was do. that. I mean, that was our first. I mean, we went on some four wheeler trips, like maybe some camping trips, but like our first, like maybe like real vacation. I guess you can. I mean, not really a real vacation, but like a vacation like that that didn't have to do with anything with business was when I was in ninth grade on yeah, a cruise. I remember it specifically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I do too. I remember this is the weirdest thing in the world because there wasn't you know five hundred people there that we had to entertain or. 
you know, shake hands and be able to smile and act all happy all the time. I mean, it was, it was surreal, but it was cool to watch you. I wish I was a little bit older that I could have watched all of that stuff. It would have been cool to, to see you guys in action. Like if I could go back and be like a fly on the wall or like oversee everything, like I, that, that would be awesome. Um, you talk a lot about in, and I think it's a very good for a lot of people in any business they do is a system based business versus a superstar based business. Yep. And you guys really systemized everything. I mean, everything with, I mean, plug and play, right? Like people can call it like a true franchise model, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's a system based business versus just a superstar. Can you explain, you know, get into detail about that? Cause I think it's really important for anybody. Like if you open an, if you have an ice cream shop or a clothing store or an online business or in network marketing or like a, even whatever, I think it's very important to know this. A superstar based business you know, the more that we did, the more credit we got and the more sort of famous we became in that circle. Right. And that could have gone to our heads real easy. Like, look what we did, you know, we, we, I, I, me, me, me. But the more that you push that away from you and put it on other people, uh, you know, and don't take the credit for making that happen and push it away and put it down on other people, um, the better off you are because if you have a system, if the more of a superstar that you are, the harder it is for anybody to ever think they can duplicate what you do. Right. And so the more strategic and systemized that it is, and, and you don't take all the credit, and you're not the superstar, you're just orchestrating everything and making it all work, the more they think they can do it. So production-wise, people will way more outproduce anybody else, any superstar-based anything if, if it's a systematic thing and they can learn how the system works at McDonald's, right. You know, McDonald's, they got, you know, high school kids working in the most successful restaurant in town, you know, right. McDonald's. And because it's everything's systematic. Just plug and play. Yeah. Plug and play. Here's how you do this. Cook for this long, you know, do that. And so that, that's what we developed. And we laid it out fairly clearly in uh, teaching audios that end up going around the world but we laid it out pretty clearly. And that's, I mean, I think it's so important for people because if people, if you want, like you, you can only do so much. Like if you, and if you want all the note, you know, the credibility and the notability and all that stuff, like your business is only kind of based on you. Like that's why most public speakers, you know, like, I guess, you know, probably the Tony Robbins and, you know, the all, like, you know, even the Ed Milets and like all these people in, in any industry, they public speak a lot, but they have books because the books out there are selling, making them money while they're not there. I mean, they have, you know, coaching deals and podcast deals and, you know, um, all kinds of stuff because if it, they just base their life off of public speaking, they can only be in so many cities and at once, which is one, and they can only do so much with a quality of life. Like, you know, obviously you could be on the road 365 days a year, but I don't think anybody wants to do that. But if you get stuff working for you and compounding, then you're truly systemizing yourself where you can be in many places where maybe you're doing a podcast and it's getting a million downloads a month. So you're a million people are hearing you, which is therefore probably growing your public speaking and it just compounds. But some people just want everything to be based on them. They don't really think about how truly to systemize processes. You're making progress when the thing operates without you having to be there. Anytime For you're sure. superstar based, you got to be there because you make everything happen. Right. So you're better off to, 
like systematically, I mentioned that we had audios that went into, you know, 20 something countries around the world. I ran into people, I, that, this sounds totally bizarre, but to the point of what you're making, um, I ran into people, I was in Hawaii one time, and I ran into, I don't know, I'm going to say 20 people that had succeeded at an incredible high level in India. They were from India because they'd gotten a hold of all of our audios. Really? Yeah, and they just systematically did exactly what was on all the audios, and there was like 20 of them that were successful enough they won a free trip to Hawaii. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember talking to this guy, I won't name his name, but I do think he listens to the podcast. He'll know who I'm talking about, but he... He tells a story about him going to India, um, and this is this is you know this is probably ten fifteen years ago I think, um, yeah about ten fifteen years ago, maybe fourteen years ago, maybe even ten years ago I don't know it was just it wasn't that long ago, and he remember landing landing there um, in you know driving hours and hours and hours to the middle of nowhere, um, miserable buggy just having the worst time of his life, and he was in a network marketing company setting some you know some some places up in india and he remembers calling his wife that night wanting to go home and just miserable and he had like two weeks or maybe three weeks um left on the trip because he just got there and then he hopped in a cab and that cab driver was listening to your a, a randy haugen cd and he's like it clicked to me that i was supposed to be there and then he finished his trip and came home like and he, he, he actually just told me that story like three, say six months ago, maybe. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's just, it's crazy how, you know, like powerful that is. And it, and it even makes me think kind of giddy, like just feels crazy that your, your guys is with that. Cause I wasn't, I mean, I was younger, so I didn't really get to see all that influence. And, you know, I'm seeing now, like, you know, when I go check my ticket sometimes at a Delta kiosk, I look at me and be like, are you Randy Haugen, Valerie Haugen's son? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. What, bye. Um, but it's just, it's really cool because it, me, it means a lot to me that, you know, leaving an impact and a legacy, a truly a true legacy um, with people. And, and you guys did this without internet, without phones. I mean, without a GPS. I mean, I remember moving around in the, the bus with the freaking road atlas and moms with binoculars trying to figure out what exit we had to go on. And you're, you're more, we had, I remember the road atlas was literally marked with like a pen maybe of the road that we usually took because we took the same route so much. How do you think, because like, you built a culture that was unbelievable and, and so like, like for, for capitalism, for freedom, like people like were not dying for it, but like for, they were like living for this culture. How were you able to create that with no phones, no cell phones, none of that? Basically, like you said earlier, is a magazine that was printed every periodically. And that's basically was your social media. I think the answer to that is that First of all, we were way blessed in all of this. So if I sound like I'm trying to take credit for any of this, I don't. Oh, you you don't, deserve to have a lot of credit. I don't mean to sound like that, but um, I think that we had the ability to inspire people to get them to believe that they could do anything in the world that they wanted to. And that that would be what we did with people. You know, we... We would take people, there was nothing better than to watch somebody walk across the stage somewhere and, you know, making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and get an award and remember that the first time you met them, they had nothing. Right. And that's, that whole process is, it's amazing, you know, but we inspired people. We, 
we help people do more than they ever could have done without meeting us. Let me right. put it that way. And this was in the hard times when you actually had to physically show up to the events. I mean, you had like tapes, but yeah. you guys would run about 30,000 people every sat first Saturday of every single month around the country. I mean, and that's how they learned. I mean, there wasn't, you couldn't go do a podcast. You couldn't go to a YouTube channel. I mean, you literally physically had to go pay the money for a ticket, go into an arena, listen to these guys for a weekend and then bounce back every, you know, and it, it's, it's just like, I've, I recently was talking to someone about what you guys did and we started talking and I'm like, I have no idea how you did it with no cell phone. I mean, you had the briefcase, the bricks, like, but really no technology, really no technology. And you guys were insanely successful and it, it's just kind of freaking bizarre i mean i, I don't know how you like I, I have no like i don't like with our with the company now like i have no idea how we would do that <laughs> like you know i was like i was talking to a guy um who was just at rbda this last week and i'm like i don't know how you guys did it with no you know social media no I mean, he's been in the business for 40 years and i'm like i mm-hmm. just that just seems crazy to me but you know it's kind of it brings up a good point of like people people adapt and if you don't leave yourself an out, you you have to do it, obviously. Like, you know, you didn't have a crutch, so you just had to do what you had to do, and you only know what you know. And you also had a great mentor. How important is it to have a mentor, and how important was that situation for you um, that you had somebody you can rely on? It's critical because if you rely on yourself to do everything through trial and error and teach yourself, I mean, today there's a lot of avenues to get information, but you're not going to live long enough to get it. Right. If you don't have a good mentor that can that you can say, should I do it this way or should I do it that way, that, that can give you some knowledge from experience, you're not going to live long enough to make all the mistakes that you got to make to learn everything you can learn. So right. a mentor's man, if you can get your hands on a mentor, that's critical. Right. No, I I 100% agree. Um, talking about teams, I mean, you built how many people you think were in your group? A couple hundred thousand. I mean, way, you know, this is a long time ago. Um, what do you think was the most impactful thing that you did to your team or for your team as a quote unquote leader? We did so many different things. Um, we had couples leaderships where we would only, uh, we would have 20 couples come. We'd isolate ourselves somewhere at a resort, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And we'd spend an entire weekend trying to teach them how to think you know, how the women should look at it, how the men should look at it. And the, that, it, you know, if you're going to succeed, you're, it's not going to be easy. You right. know, you're going to have to do things that, you know, ordinary people would not do because they don't want to be uncomfortable. And, you know, I used to tell people, if you don't want to be average, look at what the average person does and don't do anything that resembles it. Right. But we would, we would teach people uh, over the course of a weekend. Um, we would bring outside people in, you know, like a, Oh shoot, you know, so many different celebrities that had credibility with people and and they would put credibility on us. And so we sort of build a a culture that it was okay and they were edifying of the people who had succeeded and it was it was just we did so many things, you know. Right. How how would you define culture? Like what is culture to you? It's the way you do things and the way you treat people. You know, it's, it's, it's what you teach people as an organization, uh, how to act, what to do, what to, you know, the, the whole thing. 
uh, because people don't know, you know, they just run amok. You know, most people have learned from their mom and dad and friends and probably for the majority of them, those people didn't succeed very far. Right. So they ingrain bad habits, bad thoughts, low level thinking or whatever is ingrained in them. And you got to get them to go beyond that. You know, you got to get them to a, a higher level. And if you have, if, if your culture brings people to a higher level, you treat people right. Um, you know, we always tried to do everything we could to, to treat people better than anywhere else they have been. Right. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. No, I, I definitely like, you know, can know from firsthand experience of how you, uh, I mean, you're, you're very much more known for you as a person. You know, I found out, you know, I, everybody, you know, around town and a lot of people know who you are and, you know, dealing with a lot of uh, business people here in the state of Utah, a lot of people know who you are. Um, but you're really more well known for who you are than what you built, which I don't know if that's like, I, I think that's a good thing because I think you'd rather leave a legacy for who you are than like, Oh, just look what, look at what I built. Look at me. I definitely think there needs to be credibility and, you know, uh, like congratulations for everything you built, but like, how were you able to keep so like grounded and kind of in tune with people? Because like, I remember, you know, going to all these events and, you know, everybody would come up to us and just want to oddly enough, like touching us sounds bad because that sounds like they're touching us, but like, like shake our hand and give us a hug and be like, Oh, you're, you know, the twins and, you know, you're Randy and Valerie's son and blah, 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 all these things. Um, but you guys were able to just be you like through all of that noise. I mean, I remember like when we could go on and on and on about how, how crazy it was back in that era, you know, for you guys being pretty much celebrity like, I mean, it was hard to go to the grocery store. It was hard to go anywhere, commercial flights. It was hard to go any, anywhere. I mean, especially in where we lived, I mean, it was really hard to go anywhere. Yeah. And so you know, we kind of felt that start. Like people on this podcast were thinking like, you're, you sound like an idiot, but literally like, I mean, you, you tell a story about we were in the freaking middle of nowhere and someone followed us there to just get an autograph on a, on a tape. And yeah. like, it was kind of weird. How, how were you able to keep yourself so grounded and like eye on the prize and so in tuned with people? Cause you mom cared a lot about people and you would be um, the type of people that would sit there and talk to him for hours because they're talking about their, aunts, uncles, brothers, daughter, sister, whatever, you know, then they have a broken leg and you just sit there and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And talk to them. But that, that means a yeah. lot to people. Um, <clears throat> I think that somewhere along the line, we got dedicated to trying to help people regardless of their situation or where they came from or whatever. And so we were pretty dedicated to that, but you know, uh, in that book where the, it was called the profiles of success. And in that book, you know, where there was 50 different uh, stories about people, I knew that some of those people weren't doing well anymore. So they had their day in the sun, but they weren't doing well anymore. Right. So I, I logged that in. And I remember we were early on when we were growing, outgrowing everybody and, you know, all this stuff. I remember we were speaking somewhere North Carolina or somewhere. And we were back in the back with uh, this couple who had made a lot of money, like millions and millions and millions of dollars. And we're having dinner with them. And, and uh, Jim said to me, he said, so how's it feel? And I said, what? And he goes, well, you're the talk of the town. You know, you're on your white horse riding across the top of the mountain. You got everything under control. Everybody's begging you to come in and 
help them and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he says, how does it feel? And I said, well, Jim, ask me that in 10 years. Anybody can do it once. Ask me that in 10 years. Let's see how we react over the next 10 years. Wow. Because I think that if if you're humble about it all and you know that it, you didn't do it all, even though it takes you to be hungry and do it. Right. But if you're humble about it all and you understand that there's a lot of things that make up all the ingredients for success, um, you can't claim it to all be you. You you know, I think that if you're humble enough, you get blessed. Right. And I think that if you're not humble, you don't get blessed. Right. And so somehow through all of it, um, we always knew that it there was a lot of things besides us that it took to make it happen. Right. And we never lost sight of it. Well, I think you, mom, you and mom talk a lot about that. You basically could see the end, right? Like you always talk about like, yeah, this is going to end. Like this is going to end one day. And you know, when it ends, then what? I mean, and I think that a lot of people get caught in that they never see the end. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, and it's hard. Like, you know, when I was doing okay in network marketing and then when I was, you know, with the dealerships now, it's like, I have to like reset and be like, oh, I can, I can, you know, do this or spend this much money because I'll get more. Always, there will always be more and more and more and more and more. But, you know, the discipline says it can end. I mean, and you, your favorite saying is God owns everything and he can, you, you, yeah. you're lucky to manage a little bit of it yep. and you can take it away at any moment. And I think that's very true. And I think people get caught up in, in, caught up in that they, they never see the end because they feel like they're invincible. And it happens like a lot of celebrities happens to a lot of successful people happen to a lot of people in, in your in, in groups, maybe in in Amway where yep. they blew a lot of money and now what are they doing? I mean, they very, I, I'm try I try to find people like, Oh, I reason oh, cause I remember, Oh, I remember, you know, this person back in the day and look them up and I can't find them or like what's going on. And, and you guys have kept going nonstop and building like serious wealth instead of just being rich, but there's difference between wealthy and rich, like building that for the last, you know, 40 years mm -hmm. or longer, you know, how like that, that's been huge. I mean, I know a lot of people don't do that. Well, I, I'm more conservative than most because Very. there was, you know, that, uh, there was a time early on when, when I, when, when we split the national speed, when I left national speed, um, my partner ended up owning it and we didn't notarize one sheet of paper. My attorneys messed up and we didn't notarize a piece of paper. So that left us liable for everything they did for a period of about nine months. And we ended up getting sued by, I, I was going to say, 20, 20 different suppliers. Wow. And they knew what happened. They, they knew the situation. And so some of them got judgments against us and, and said, if Richard ever quits paying, then we'll come after you. And he ended up paying it all off. It took years. We had to pay some of it, a little bit. And so we were broke. You know, we didn't have anything. Uh, we had low-paying jobs and... You know, at that point, I'm like, we're never going to charge anything. If we can't pay cash for it, we don't need it. And we lived on a fraction of what we made, and we didn't make hardly anything. And it's just money's hard to get. Right. You know, don't waste it. And almost everybody in the world will have a point in their life where their income shuts off. Right. And it might happen more than once. So you got to prepare for it. And I remember um, 
we were, I think we were at uh, an island in the British Virgin Islands, and there was a, a superstar back in the Amway business, uh, some friends of ours, Kenny. I just say Kenny. Yep, yep, I know who and, he is. And uh, we were just so excited that we were on that island with him or on the yacht or whatever we were doing. I can't remember exactly where we were, but, and, uh, you know, Kenny made a lot of money. The year that the, the, I had this conversation with him, he made $12 million. Which was back in the... Yeah, so that's like... 30 million a day. Right. And, and I said to Kenny, I mean, we're, we're new to this and you know, the business was like 30 years old, 20 something years old at that point and going strong. It hadn't been going strong. It crashed around 80. It took a big dip. And then Kenny and us, we sort of brought it back. Right. But I said to Kenny, I said, Kenny, I said, how do you know this is going to last? How long is it going to last? How long are we going to be able to do this? And he, he started laughing, and uh, he, he was so smart. He had a lot of wisdom, and he, and he said, it doesn't matter. I said, what? He goes, no, it doesn't matter. Build like it will never end, but plan on it ending tomorrow morning. And that was the best advice anybody ever gave me in my life. And I based everything we did going down the road on that. Right, which you, know, you guys had a lot of commercial real estate in 08. You know, oh, yes, we of, did, $60 know. million dollars worth. 60 million. I mean, yeah. that, that, and, uh, it was great in 07, <laughs> but you know, 08 hit and I mean, it was, I mean, I don't remember it being dicey, but I'm sure it was dicey. I mean, I'm one of the, when I mean, we have a, I don't know how much that building was in South Ogden, but it was a big building. And, 15 million yeah. back then. And I mean, that had no tenants. Well, we, we were building that building and, uh, we had a construction note and the bank that we had the construction note with went broke. And so us not understanding the game, we kept paying the payment, which was $72,000 a month with no, and, and we lost all of our tenants. We had letters of intent and they, they all disappeared because, you know, 2008. Right. And we flipped from, we flipped about $200,000 a month uh, from being, having a positive cash flow to a ne negative cash flow. I mean, and, and it all happened like in 90 days. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not fun at all but you guys i mean we I mean, we we went through it. i mean you we didn't lose anything um you know we still had a decent life and you know we lived in the same house and everything was great but like there's a lot of your friends my like you know people that i know now pretty much lost everything yeah. back in that especially in commercial real estate and residential real estate because you had a home building company yeah and you did a real estate company you had a mortgage company and commercial real estate so pretty much the, the everything that could have gone wrong with your mortgage company, the real estate company, your commercial development company, your residential development company, and your construction company, yeah, all of everything just kind of caved in. I mean, it just it just stopped. I mean, it was yep, it was crazy. And uh, our partner, you know, we had a partner on all that, and they had they had a huge income outside of all of this that you're talking about. Right. In fact, we had sold them these stores. Right. And so they had this huge income and then we had a huge income outside of it, you know, from Amway. Right. And so if we wouldn't have both had that, we didn't know if we were going to make it. We, we really didn't know if we were going to make it. Really? Oh no. It was, yeah, we were ready to buy a casino in Reno and, you know, I remember that. And so we didn't know if we were going to make it. And if we wouldn't have both had that income, 
neither one of us would have made it. Everything would have vaporized right before our eyes. Really? Yeah. We would have lost everything. Yeah. I mean, cause I guess, if, I mean, you're minus $200,000 a month in cash flow. You yeah. That's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So if you're, if you're brand new and you're, and you're, you're, you're a manager, you're a leader, you're a business owner, you're whatever. What, what's the biggest thing, you know, pieces of advice that you could give someone when they're leading a team or building a team or how to treat people. Cause this is culture camp. Like my whole goal is to just really talk about team buildings. And, you know, I just, you guys have just built su- such an amazing team. And it's still like, I still get calls, texts, see people at events, it literally multiple times I've scanned my ticket at the Delta counter and they look up at me and they're like, Oh my gosh, like your mom and dad affected my life this way and that way. Like, you know, how, what's the biggest piece of advice that you could give someone on, on how to lead truly lead people in, in, in have a good culture in a company? Um, I think that you've got to, you know, there's, you, you got to help people all that you can uh, by encouragement and teaching them sometimes being bold enough to confront them and say, look, you're really messing this up. You know, th- this is pretty bad how you're doing this. And here's how you can do it better. You're better off to try to help people and teach people and move them in the right direction than, than just get rid of them, you know, just fire them. And if you build a culture where you're lifting people up and you're helping them be better than they would have before they ever met you, that that's really the win in it all. Right. Um, you you got to have a way that you're improving people's lives. I mean, that's sort of the bottom line. Right. You know, and everybody matters. Everybody. Another thing we have to understand is that everybody's got situations going on in their own life that we're not aware of. Right. Oh, for sure. And so when they have bad stuff happen to them or they don't perform right one day or something like that, uh, sometimes you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. My weakness, my biggest weakness is I give people the benefit of the doubt longer than I should. Right. Yeah. I, I would, I could relate to that yeah. for sure. But on the other hand, uh, even with that being said there, I mean, there's still times that you've got, you know, people are in the wrong place and you've got to make a decision that they can't be on your team anymore. So I'm not saying that you can't ever do that, but you just have to have a culture. You have to have a way where you're improving people's lives all the time. Right. How, one, one thing I want to ask before we, uh, before we uh, end, end this is how have you and mom been able to have such a great relationship through this and do everything together? Like, I don't know if I've ever seen you guys ever argue or fight or anything ever that I can really think of. Maybe, I don't know, <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I mean, you guys have probably the best marriage I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I, I I, always say that it's fake and they must hate each other when they're not in front of people, but I don't think that because you guys do everything together. I mean, you go shopping, grocery store now, I mean, everybody, you're always holding each other's hands. Like, But growing up, you did everything together. You know, you spoke at all of the big conferences. Mom spoke at all the big conferences. You built the Amway business. Mom built the Amway business together. Like, everything was together how were you able to make that work? Because there's a lot of people that could, couldn't like, I couldn't, you know, when, when I tried to do it, you know, with, with, with Kennedy, my ex-wife, like how were you able to do that? Um, boy, that's hard to answer that one. Um, mom had, mom was very shy when we started in the Amway business, like very shy. Right. Uh, she couldn't even, 
talk to, you know, if we had five people in our living room, she couldn't talk. She'd really? just shake, you know. And through the, the books and the audios and listening to speakers and everything, she was hungry enough. I said, look, we're, we're going to be diamonds one day. We actually went farther than that. But we're going to be diamonds one day, and you're going to have to learn all that stuff. Right. And you're going to have to get really good at it. But she's always been more important to me than anything else. And uh, we just were best friends, you know, and we always have been. And I had to learn, you know, we there was a time when we uh, – barked at each other a bit and that would have been around 1985 because i used to i'd bark at her and then she wouldn't say anything then i'd say i'm sorry i didn't mean that and then we'd go on but she started growing and she got strong so i'd bark at her she'd bark back so we butted heads for about a year around 1985 but you know i I remember at the where were we we were at the georgia dome and there's 80,000 people there and i remember valerie walked out to speak and I thought, wow, wow, because if you can grow that far from you can't talk to five people in a living room and all you do is stand there and shake right. to where you walk out to an audience of 80,000 people and you, and you speak and they want to hear you, you actually have something to say. Um, I, I don't know. So I guess the answer is, is, I don't know, she just always meant more to me than all the rest of it. Well, I definitely can attest to that because, I mean, in, in everything we do, it's it's mom and dad, mom and dad, mom and dad, mom and dad. It's not really, oh, dad does his thing, mom does her thing. I mean, obviously there's different roles of support. Like, you know, mom dealt with us a lot. You were gone more than she was because you had, you know, you're on a board sometimes or did different things, but mom was mostly with you. I mean, it, it when you guys had the jet, it was always you guys and come, like it was just you always did everything together and it, it, it definitely was a good example. So, you know, I just, I don't know if I ever said thank you or if it means anything, but you, I mean, you've definitely set the, probably the best example of marriage I, I could ever even dream of. Um, you know, it's, it's maybe it's, thank you. maybe it's a fairy tale, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, it's been unbelievable to watch you and mom do everything together. I mean, you've literally built a massive empire together. I mean, this has been, yeah. it's been, been awesome. And mom, you know, I, I, Sometimes wish she would be shy because she is pretty pretty damn feisty still. But um, so she's she's grown a lot, but she she beat my ass a lot growing up. So that was uh you know she was definitely not shy then. <laughs> yeah, you you did get a few spankings. Right? I probably got spank spanked more more than probably the most most of um population of Utah's kids combined. Probably probably. But uh <laughs> you know hey look at me now I feel like I'm doing better. I'm not perfect by any means, but uh obviously. Uh, it worked maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, but the last thing I want to ask you is, uh, what is, how do you define success? What, is, what does success mean to you? Well, I've been, you know, in business for 40 something years now, you know, a lot of different things and success to me is doing something that you love to do. You really enjoy that. You can both have an interest in, you can both do it together. If you know, like, me and mom and that we can do it together and you can make enough money that you don't have to worry about it. You can put enough money away that you don't have to worry about ever being paycheck to paycheck. And, and, uh, it's, it's a bad, bad thing for people to live paycheck to paycheck when the constant stress of everyday life is on them right? You know, and they don't know how to get out of it. And so success to me is taking something that you are passionate about that you love and turning it into a thriving, huge, exciting 
business of some kind, whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, but I measure success a little bit more in uh, what you know freedom than I do in you know having a, a lot of net worth and buildings sitting all over. Right. Not not that one or one's bad or the, not, but I just that that's how I see it. I mean, I think it's you know freedom, happy. I mean, that's that's success. I mean, there's a lot of I mean. And it's different in everything, right? I mean, you, I mean, to me, you have a very successful marriage. So that could be, you know, someone's definition of success. They just want to have a successful marriage and live a good life and happy life and, you know, do their thing. Yeah. Um, you know, some people are, you know, very materialistic and think they need a bunch of things to feel successful. So, um, but dad, thank you so much for being on this. It means a lot. Like I, I, I love you more than you could ever know and i you mean the world to me and and i don't know where i would be well literally i wouldn't be here without you but um, I, I don't know where i would be without you and you know you've shown me how to do more things that i can imagine in business and in life and teaching me so much that um you've truly been like my my mentor in in everything and uh, i'm excited to keep you know our uh our haugen name our family name going it's a very different industry than what you were doing before um, but like, it means a lot to me to keep this Haugen name going because it was such a, you know, amazing name growing up, um, a very, you know, popular, famous name, um, you know, back in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands. I mean, you know, even in the, the tens of 20, the 20, the tens, <laughs> 2010 and whatever. Um, but you know, it, I've always had that, like, not really like a chip on my shoulder, but like a, a, a burning desire to want to keep something with the Haugen name and, and, and be the one that kind of took it to the next level. So thank you for giving me the last name. And even though it's very hard to pronounce, um, but uh, I just, you know, can't thank you enough for everything you've ever done for me and, and just taught us so much. And I say us cause you know, our, us kids, but taught me so much in, in, in life and business and relationships and in everything. And just, I love you to death. So thank you. Well, I love you and I'm, so proud of you. Me and mom are so proud of all of the kids, but you're really taking the bull by the horns and being creative and putting all the pieces together and, and making this grow. And I know that you got your brothers there that work for you and, and they're in the game too, but I'm really proud of all that you're doing. I could have never imagined that you had come this far and I think it's only the beginning of where you're headed. So I love you a lot. I'm very, very proud of you means a lot thank you well thanks for being on